0: Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash Shapiro. That's carshield.com slash Shapiro.
1: Hey, Matt Walsh here. The latest episode of Backstage is almost here. This is a massive event for The Daily Wire where we will finally premiere our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. Be sure to join me, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles, the God King, Jeremy Boring, and special guests as we discuss Hollywood and this fantastic new film, Don't miss it. You know, if there's any chance that conservatives or free
2: thinkers are gonna survive what's happening right now, it's by building our own institutions, making
3: our own movie and redefining the culture and I'm thrilled to be in the fight with you guys, and I love the movie. Wow, I just saw Run, Hide, Fight, and I've gotta say, it's an intense movie, but it is exactly what we need to take back the culture for conservatives.
4: It is uh, really well acted, Uh, a lot of great tension, well done, well directed, great pacing. It's one of the most
5: intense movies that I have ever seen, I am not kidding. And just be prepared to have your heart pounding the entire time as you watch Zoe kick some ass.
4: Run, Hide, Fight. Great movie, you gotta see it. However, now I have decided not to send my kids to high school. I'm excited to see what The Daily Wire is doing. Moving into entertainment, we have to change the culture.
6: It had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. I can promise you it is unlike any other movie you have ever seen that has been made by conservatives. Quite honestly, it's a game changer.
4: This may be one of the first times there is a conservative production for for a piece of content that's actually worth watching.
2: Do not believe those elitist snooty reviews
4: you've come to expect from Hollywood. This film is amazing. I don't think I blinked the entire time that I was watching it. I just did not expect to be as emotionally impacted by it as I was. I think it is a credit to the filmmakers and the actors how immersive and real all of that footage
6: feels.
5: I was completely blown away. I made the decision during the movie that I will be naming my firstborn daughter Zoe in honor of the coolest character in any movie I've seen in a long time. You gotta go see it. The action was crazy. Special effects were top notch.
6: We conservatives need to stay engaged in our culture and not surrender it to the far leftist in Hollywood. So, keep up the good work.
4: And all I've got to say is, you guys watch this movie. I would highly recommend you watch this when it comes out. Go check it out. And I absolutely recommend that you check it out. Check it out, everybody. Welcome
7: to the Daily Wire Backstage, the Run, Hide, Fight premiere. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, because they never make it, slash Jeremy. We're so glad to be with you here for the premiere of our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. It's a monumental day for us at The Daily Wire, a day we've been working on, honestly, since, well, since before we even started the company, as as far back as when Ben and I first started collaborating over a decade ago, uh, and every one of us here on this stage has been talking about doing something like this for about as long as we've all known one another. Conservatives, are severely underrepresented in pop culture, and as our friend and mentor Andrew Breitbart once observed, politics is downstream of that culture. For too long, we in conservative media have devoted, well, too much of our energy to criticizing art and not nearly enough energy to actually making it. We focus our energies on the short-term political conflicts in front of us. It's easy to do, but almost none of us spend our time and energies on the generational cultural struggle that actually defines the Overton window in which our politics take place. That's a recipe for long-term political defeat. So that's why we're here tonight to celebrate an incredible movie and its incredible cast and creators. And I promise that we'll get to that and give it all the time it deserves, which is a lot. But before we do that, there's something else that I want to celebrate. And that's the commitment that we at The Daily Wire have decided to undertake. This year has shown us more clearly than ever before that for the people, for all those people who seek to rule us, there's just no limit to what they're willing to try to take from you. They'll take your money, they'll take your job, they'll take your reputation, your right to assemble. I mean, unless that assembly, uh, you know, actually aligns with what they've decided is appropriate uh, for you to believe. They'll take away your right to speak freely in public, on social media, but perhaps the least obvious but most pernicious right they want to take away from you is just your right to be entertained. They'll still let you watch their movies, of course, their TV shows, their news, their sports, but you'll have to do it knowing that everyone who made that content, at least everyone at the top, hates you you have to watch it knowing that every dollar you spend on theater tickets on cable bills on streaming subscriptions is going to the people that hate you funding their hatred of you not only that but they're going to spend every day on twitter every spare moment at every award show and just about every second of every show that they make reminding you of the fact that they hate you they'll let you watch it but they won't let you enjoy it that's what's changing here tonight tonight we're taking the first step on a long and long-awaited journey and listen we have big dreams. We have big plans. We have delusions of grandeur. But we're not crazy. We're not going to change the culture with one movie. We're not going to change the culture overnight. What this is about is the beginning. You know, Netflix Netflix has something like 200 million subscribers. Uh, these people are working to make the kind of entertainment that punches you in the nose. We're working to make the kind of entertainment that you want, the kind of entertainment that you can enjoy, that speaks to you without speaking down to you. No leftist sucker punches in the kind of content that we're making. Entertainment that you can not only enjoy, but be proud of knowing that you helped change the culture. And ultimately, that's the key. That's the commitment that we're making. We're gonna do everything in our power to realize the goals that we've set, but I won't lie to you, we need you in order to do it. Not just you, we need you and your family and your friends and the people who say that they're friends uh, of yours, but don't actually like you, and the family that has abandoned, we need all of them, and they're <laughs> friends too, or nothing is gonna change. We need every single person Uh, who shares our values, to be in this fight. You have to demand that your voice be heard. You have to demand uh, that we give attention to your needs. And candidly, you have to spend some of your money. Hollywood has amassed an absolute fortune against you. They have studios and networks and production companies. And we have these four director's (laughs) chairs. That's all we've got, these four director's chairs uh, and a dream. We need you to complete uh, our mission. We need to compete, and we have to have your subscription in order to do it. We need you to pay for the content from us the same way you pay for content from the people who hate you. We need you to subscribe. As I said, Netflix, 200 million subscribers. They're spending $17 billion on content this year alone. Shows like Cuties, that's what gets their attention. Disney Plus has close to 75 million subscribers. HBO Max, 12 million subscribers. They have Peacock and CBS All Access and Showtime and Stars and Hulu, and, 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 and. If we're gonna compete with them, we have to have you in order to do it. So please, head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and become a member today. The more people subscribe, the more content we'll make. That's how simple it is. And the more content we make, the more the culture will start to reflect our values and not just theirs. Our politics will surely follow. I'm joined this evening by all my friends, screenwriter Andrew Claven, screen actor Michael Knowles, Hollywood aficionado Ben Shapiro also Matt Walsh, <laughs> and of course, the lovely Alicia Krause. Alicia, walk folks through what we have planned for them for tonight.
6: Good evening, gentlemen, and hello to everyone watching at home. I am so excited to be able to join in for this big premiere tonight and want to welcome all of our viewers that are joining us as well. I've seen on Twitter and Instagram today that some of you are even having watch parties, which is super fun. I'm also excited to let you know that we will be holding an extended, the God King promised, it would be an extended Q&A with all the guys tonight after the movie so for all of our members watching at home simply type your questions into the live chat box to the right of tonight's stream and be sure for those of you who have questions but are not yet members go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member and get access to the chat box because we'd love for you to be able to ask all of your burning questions about Run, Hide, Fight and the Daily Wire's plunge into the entertainment world. And the Daily Wire administration will be collecting those questions throughout tonight's event, so stay tuned until after the movie for our special post-premiere Q&A.
7: Thank you, Alicia, and roll opening graphics. <laughs> Well, thank you again for joining us tonight for the Daily Wire premiere of our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. And, you know, it's probably important to say because we keep saying our first feature film, our first feature film. We didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> this film was made by people far more talented than us. And you're going to get to hear from the creators of the picture, uh, a few of them, uh, a little bit later after the screening of the show. We have uh, the producer of the film, Dallas Sanye. We have uh, Kyle Rankin, the director of the movie and writer of the film. They're going to be joining us. The cast of this film, unbelievable. Uh, and it was a target of opportunity for us. Candidly, we always thought that when we would get in the entertainment industry, it would be with something that we made. Dallas approached us. He had this project and and I was skeptical. Ben actually called me and said, you know, Dallas has this film. We should look at it. And I thought, eh, I don't want to make, I don't want to release somebody else's movie. Hollywood, if they were making the movies that uh, were right for our audience, what's our argument? But Um, Dallas sent over the picture. and I was just blown away. The picture premiered at uh, Venice, had a a great response there. And Hollywood just wasn't interested because the film, well, is just chock full, as you'll see uh, here in half an hour. It's chock full of our values. Uh, And so we decided to take a dive, to speed up our plans a little bit uh, and and to leap into the abyss. And here we are. Drew, I think you and I were probably talking about this before any of uh, these young'uns.
2: You know, I remember making speeches about this at conservative gatherings and getting this look. I used to describe it to my wife as the look she gives me when I explain to her that when you buy something on sale, it still costs money. You know, which, is, which is a look that says, you know, I always liked you and you're very cute, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And, and, that, and that really was the reaction. And now suddenly my phone is ringing. And people are saying, what, you know, you were saying something about the culture, but how do you spell that? And, and it's, right. it's an enormously exciting. It's, it's enormously exciting because we're dealing with people in this room who understand that we don't win the culture by making conservative films or conservative books. We make the culture, we uh, take the culture when conservatives can make anything they want. And that's, right. that's, that's what we're starting here. And that's what, why we don't care about the censorship. We don't care about any of that. We just want to let conservative artists work. And that's how you change everything.
3: Well, I mean, you know, Jeremy and I met now about a decade ago, yep. maybe more than a decade ago at this point. We were
7: so uh, young and so handsome.
3: <laughs> I know. Right. And so poor. And, uh, and, and we met in my uh, two bedroom condo and we were talking about you know, making movies and how difficult it was to get conservatives to understand that we actually need to challenge in the culture. And over the preceding 10 years, we've seen as the culture has moved further and further left, as more and more people are shut out of the not only entertainment industry, but out of sports, out of journalism, as we saw today, uh, and and out of virtually every area of American life, how there's a a blue tsunami that has come and washed through all of our institutions. And we've been talking for a long time about how we need to fight back on this level. One of the things that, that I have to say here is, nothing but love for our audience. I mean, seriously, nothing but love for our audience because what we're doing here is is truly something audacious. I mean, yeah. because the, there's there's a, a gap that has always existed in the conservative mind between the stuff that we say that we want to watch and then the stuff that people actually want to watch. And a lot of conservatives, if you ask them, what kind of TV do you want to watch? And they'll say, well, like a Hallmark film, right? Something that I can go to church and feel yeah. good that I've watched. Remember and the then, little
7: house on the prairie? Exactly.
3: <laughs> and then when it comes time to sit down with the wife or sit down with the husband and sit down with the boyfriend or girlfriend. or Then you just flip on Netflix and whatever everybody else is watching, that's what you're watching. And you're giving your money to people who really despise your values. Well, what we've decided to do here is start with a film that is about as edgy as any film is. I mean, this is an R-rated film. It's got cursing. It's got violence. I mean, so be forewarned if you're sitting there with your 11-year-old. This is not appropriate for your 11-year-old. That's right. Uh, And it's meant to be not appropriate for your 11-year-old because the reality is that if you want to win the culture, you have to start with teenagers, you have to start with young adults, you have to start with people who are actually looking for that sort of material and are not going to be put off by that sort of stuff. So we are starting with this deliberately edgy. We're And and our audience has gone right along with it. They understand what we're doing. The the trailer to this film has well over 1.1 million views on our YouTube channel alone. It's got another half million views between a variety of other YouTube channels. People are responding because they understand not only what we're trying to do, but the trailer is also really damned good because the movie is really damned good. And that's what I think people on our side are beginning to understand. It's not just important that we throw our message out to the winds and we pay for white papers and that we donate to politicians, but that we actually spend money in the places where people are actually watching, that we actually spend our time and yeah. spend our money and spend our attention, where people, war- where people are actually putting their eyeballs so that we can make a difference in the culture.
7: I think that you're hitting on something really important and, and something that you know there's a risk that we're taking because we are uh, challenging probably some people in our audience. You know, the film we're all friends with Kurt Cameron. He's not in the movie. <laughs> One of the things that we, that we said from the very beginning is if James Dobson approves of the film, we probably failed because the sort of attitude that conservatives took up during the moral majority, the 80s and 90s, uh, that, that is sort of carried through until today is essentially don't participate in the culture at all. Kind of remove yourself, make content that people should want instead of content that people do want. Listen, there's a missional quality to what we're doing. Right now, we don't have a great value proposition. We have one and only one film, and we're asking you to subscribe so that we can make more. So we understand that is a mission. We're asking you to do something because you believe that it's good. But we're not asking you to watch the film as part of that mission. The film demands that you watch it because it is quality. It demands that you watch it because it's entertaining, because of the the power of Isabel May's uh, performance as Zoe Hull in the film. I'd put her up against anybody in the industry. It's terrific.
3: It's a terrific film. It's a terrific performance. You're really going to enjoy it. We're excited to present it to you. And we're excited that you're willing to come along with us on this journey and spend your hard-earned money with us while we spend our time trying to present content that is actually going to change the nature of the cultural debate. Because I think what everybody has learned over the last several years is that if we're going to rebuild America, we're going to have to start from the ground up. And that begins with culture. I mean, things have been raised to the ground. And now it's time (laughs) to start building uh, and and building some alternative replacement institutions for all the institutions that hate our guts and want to see us excised from the public debate. You know,
4: when I first watched Run, Hide, Fight, I was expecting conservative propaganda. And that's fine. I've seen a lot of conservative propaganda. So I sit down and watch it some it's, might say you make conservative propaganda. Some might say I make conservative propaganda. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and it's and it's not that. You know, it's a real movie. I thought, why why is this a problem in Hollywood? And I thought, well, it's obviously not conservative propaganda, because it got into the Venice Film Festival. You don't get into Venice. You don't the do well at Venice. Right. But the movie is politically incorrect. Yes. The movie doesn't tow all the woke party lines. And I thought, my goodness, has the c- culture gone this far, that they demand, the left is now demanding agitprop. prop. The left is demanding poster and slogan style. You know, I was actually, I was just rereading Chairman Mao. Of all, th- I was reading about political correctness. You know, in Mao, light reading there, a little light reading. You know, I'm reading Mao's Little Red Book. He's trying to effect a leftist cultural revolution, and he says we need good art, but all you communists are making this crappy slogan, <laughs> slogan poster art. You know, but we need good art in order to inspire people, and. He's, he's struggling with this issue because he's obviously leading this ideological campaign. Okay. And I just, I'm so, so pleased that the first movie that we're taking on is a real movie. It's- I'm just so pleased it doesn't star Michael Knowles. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, oh.
7: If the last God week God. has taught us anything, it's that, well, you need to be using a VPN. You may say, no, that's not, the, that's not the takeaway. That's not the message. It's taught us, you know, don't go to rallies if you don't know who's up at the front. Uh, no, no, no. It's taught us that you should be using a VPN. And here's why. The left, obviously wants to silence and remove voices that they don't agree with. It's just that simple. Twitter, Facebook, they're supposed to be open platforms that encourage people to express their opinions. Remember back when Jack Dorsey used to say, Twitter stands for nothing if not free speech. Yeah, that that was true. was right,
2: it stands for nothing.
7: (laughs) Not anymore. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your practical ability to exercise free speech, how about revoking their access to your data? That's how they make their money. You could just deactivate your social media accounts, but that would be giving the left exactly what they wanted in the first place. Instead, we use ExpressVPN. You ever wonder how free to access social media sites make their billions and billions and billions of dollars? By taking your searches, your video history, and everything you click on, and then selling that information to ad companies against uh, your valuable data. I mean, good for them, it's a free market, but you're not free to give them your, I'm sorry, it's a free market except for you because you don't actually get to say anything, and you're not you're free not to give them that data when you use ExpressVPN. You make yourself anonymous. You take your online presence and you hide your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and more difficult to sell to advertisers. And ExpressVPN couldn't be easier to set up. You tap one button on your phone or on your computer, just like that, you're protected. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and from internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to all this censorship, to say, no to the voices that want to silence you on their platforms, take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash bin. By visiting my special link, and by mine, I mean his, you'll get <laughs> extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash bin, expressvpn.com slash bin, because it's never slash Jeremy. <laughs> Protect your data today. <laughs> Michael, uh, I said I was glad this movie didn't star you, and of course that's that's true. Uh, but you actually, before you became a political commentator, you you were an actor, a, a working, yes. professional actor, soulless, shouldn't be welcome in polite society. Yeah, uh, on, on
4: the level of the lowest regs of society, absolutely, yeah. That's right. So you probably have... Once again, kind of, being paid for something you weren't good at.
7: <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> you probably have a perspective that the rest of us don't have, uh, which is how difficult it is for an outspoken... You were working on campaigns at that time. Yeah, yeah. How difficult yeah. it is for an outspoken actor. Yeah,
4: it was tricky. It was a tricky thing because I, I was living this double life. Mm. So I had, I, I've i been working in political campaigns and in politics since I was 18, sure. and but I'd been working in plays in New York and some movies and TV and stuff like that, and I just hoped you know thankfully if you're in these kind of smaller things people just they, they're so narcissistic in show business anyway they're not googling you they're just thinking about themselves all the time and so i remember i was in this play the last kind of big play i did was with these fairly well-known actors and actresses all to the left of lennon very nice people we had a great yeah. relationship but <laughs> i did notice i get a lot of invitations go to this fundraiser for a democrat mm. go to this left-wing organization go to this and i i knew i knew that if i would go I would have a much better shot at a role that friends of mine who did go, got cast in this TV show yeah. or in this movie. And uh, you, you have to make this decision. Do you want to have integrity or, or do you want or do to you live want a life? A I mean, or, this is, yeah, yeah. even in my career, uh, I had a film set up
7: uh, with, with a very well-known actor who, who was my producing partner at the time. And we were taking this film around. We weren't set up. We were taking it around to all the studios. And we, we took it to one of, the, one of the most important indie film studios in Hollywood, we had the best pitch meeting that I think I'd ever had yeah. up until that time. I mean, we were we weren't even negotiating over money; we were negocio- negotiating over dates. You know, when could we make yeah. this film? And that night, this was in, in two thousand seven. Uh, and that night, I got an invitation to Barack o- a Barack Obama fundraiser mm-hmm. that the head of the studio was hosting. This yeah. was before, I didn't even know who Barack Obama was. This is how early in the process uh, all of this happened. And I just thought, well, I'm obviously not going to go to some rando Democrat senator's uh, fundraiser. I'm just going to ignore yeah. the email. I'll just pretend I didn't get it. Uh, I pretended I didn't get it. We had a meeting on the books to talk to the guy again. Two days later, that meeting got canceled. Yeah. And at that yeah. point, I still didn't, I thought, eh, you know, meetings get canceled, especially meetings with muckety-mucks. Uh, so I called in, you know, to see when we were going to get back on the books. Never got a return call ever. Yeah. Uh, it really is, in some instances, pay-to-play in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not pay-to-play in the sense that you give the studio exact money. He's got all the money. It's you support the things that he cares about. And if you don't support it, you're not part of the club. Hollywood's a very close-knit community. It's a very small town, right? It's a big city, but a small town. And you're either a part of it or you're not.
3: And 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 they really really do look down their nose at people in the middle of the country, which is why I want to ask the only person on this set who doesn't actually hail from Hollywood or has spent any time in Hollywood, what does mainstream America think, (laughs) Matt Walsh, about all of this?
1: I'm not a screen actor or screenwriter, but I'm a screen watcher, so I have that at least. I spend a lot of time watching screens. And the, the, the one question that I've gotten from people when, when we announced this movie is, uh, you know, they, they want to know, well, do they have some of the, do, do they have some of the PC stuff? Do they, do, do they feel like they have to do that? And what I like about this movie is that it doesn't. Now, it's, you said the movie's politically incorrect, cool. which it is, but you don't get the feeling like they're trying to be politically incorrect. They're right. just telling a good story. Yeah. And I think that's what people want. They just want... Just tell a good story. And yeah, there, there are some aspects of it that if you're into the PC stuff, you'll like, like the, the, the protagonist is a woman. Uh, but you don't get the feeling like they, they felt like, we, oh, we got to put a woman in this, this role. It's just, she was the best for the job. And it works too, because there's this father-daughter relationship. Uh, so w- the way I always look at it is you want, you know, you can have a movie with a great message or you can have a great movie with a message also. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this is the latter where there is a message, but it's also just a really good movie. And so you just sit down and you enjoy it, and at the end of the day, you can you can go back and reflect and think about what you learned from it. But that's not the point, really.
7: Yeah, I actually think great art doesn't make you like the artist; it makes you like yourself. It makes you more like who you are. It yeah. exposes you to ideas. It gives you things to contemplate. I talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't love it. Uh, who am I kidding? He's never watched any of this or heard of me. Uh, but like the Don Henley's music yeah. helped me kind of make my way when I was a teenager and figure out who I was. Now. Who who that music helped me become isn't more like Don Henley. I mean, Don Henley and I probably don't agree on much of anything uh, politically or religiously. Yeah. Uh, but he was asking questions that were interesting to me, and I asked them too. I may have come to different conclusions, but that that art helped me do it, and that's that. What's I think is what separates art from propaganda. You know, this film is filled with our values. It exposes yeah. people to things that we think are important. Um, I think people of good faith could watch this movie and come to different conclusions. Than we have on some of those issues, and I don't think that that's something something to be feared. No,
2: that's that's right. I mean, art is art is an experience. This is one of the reasons I've never minded watching atheist art or left wing yeah. art. I I like it. I like being inside the mind and inside the vision of people who see things entirely different differently than I do. But now, because of these restrictions, there's basically no way that anyone can get inside our minds. There's no That's way right. that they can experience what it is we see. Because look, the fact of the matter is, there are nice people on left and right, you know, in the, of in the in real world. And there are artists on left and right with talent who can express those visions. But we're not allowed. And, and the stuff that you're saying about pitch meetings is absolutely endemic to Hollywood. I mean, yeah. I've been in lots of pitch meetings. And they start the pitch meetings start out with a conversation about how awful... George W. Bush is right. or, you know, how wonderful Obama is. And if, as I frequently do, you know, I've got a big mouth. And if, you know, I would frequently say, well, I'm kind of on the other side of that issue. That was the end of the pitch meeting. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. And you so know, that I, creates I, the atmosphere where everything dies that we want to say. When
4: I, when I was a, a wee lad, you know, a young actor in a very prestigious acting studio, a very, very serious place. This was not where we were just gabbing about politics or whatever, but it came out somehow someone saw something I put on Facebook. This was years and years ago. It came out that I was conservative. We all kind of giggled about it. And the acting teacher called me aside at the end of the class. She goes, Michael, this is just, I'm just giving you a little professional advice. It was a professional, you know, yeah. conservatory. N- never, never admit yeah. that. Never say that. Never admit that. And I, I sort of laughed at her. She goes, it's not funny. Yeah. Ne- ne- and she wasn't uh, conservative. She was a liberal, too. She goes, but she was never. Helping you. And she was helping me. She said, never say that. Y- you won't work. I, and, I, I uh, know, I know yeah.
2: conservatives who have said that to actors. You know, conservative actors oh, yeah. who said, "Yeah, of course." Pulled people aside and said, "You know, my friend, you know, keep your mouth shut."
3: Yeah, one hundred percent right. And I think that most Americans are feeling that now. I don't think that yeah. it's just relegated. I think it started off in Hollywood and was relegated to Hollywood and the universities. Unfortunately, has now spread through nearly every aspect of society. I mean, that,
7: you dealt with some of it today.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, people I, I trend. The new rule is that in twenty twenty one, I will trend every single day. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a plan. I'm going for the three P tomorrow. So I, I trended yesterday over something dumb, and then I trended today because I wrote the playbook for Politico. Which yeah. is very bad. I'm not. I'm not allowed to do that. 225 news journalists got on the line to rail at the editorial team for being for for allowing me to write, which is kind of ironic. Right. And they didn't even invite me to the, the call. I know. They're the objective news journalists, right? Your objective journalism in media saying, "How dare the op-ed page print something that we disagree with?" Well, hold on. Aren't you the objective news journalists? That's right. right. I mean, that's that's kind of insane. You're the ones who are just supposed to be covering the facts, and here you are.
7: It is one you know, of the great revelations. One of the great revelations of 2020. Uh, is that journalists now oppose the First Amendment. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. The people for whom the First Amendment yeah. was essentially created are now the people most against it. Every in
1: fairness, it was a traumatizing article, though. It was. I, I watched it, and I barely could emotionally... <laughs> I read it, and I could barely emotionally recover. He was literally shaking. <laughs> I, was, I was literally... I'm still shaking right now. But it,
3: this is the thing. We've been, as conservatives, progressively locked out of every single institution, every single one. And so when people say, how do we fight back? The answer is, you can't fight back in one area conservatives have basically abandoned every institution and they say okay but we'll give money and then we'll vote and it turns out that that's not enough because where people make up their minds where people are shaped is in the culture and you know all this is very highfalutin but we should just remind you that conservatives can make kick-ass content this is a kick-ass film you're going to love the film it's great and you are going to be doing something good by not only watching it and sharing it with your friends and giving us your membership you're, you're going to be helping to change all of that, because these institutions have to be open, and they're not going to open of their own accord. Alternatives have to be built, replacements have to be built, and you're part of that by watching tonight. We again, I'm, it sounds like you know an NPR fundraiser, but it, it is. I mean, you, we we need your help. We need you it, just like NPR requires both your tax dollars and your donations to <laughs> propagandize to you on the left. We actually do need your help to produce the kind of very expensive content that this movie represents and get the message to your kids in a way that they're actually going to want to watch. And we're going to be producing a wide variety of content. That's our hope. That's our dream. This is just the the camel's nose in the tent, which is why you're going to see, I I predict over the next week, people react with extraordinary, extraordinary viciousness with regard to this film, with regard to us, with regard to the producers. There's going to be an attempt to quash the film, just like there's an attempt to quash everything else in American life right now that crosses the woke left. And it's time for us all to stand up together and not only say no, but to fight back by building all of these alternative institutions. That's why, listen, I'm... I'm not in, primarily an entertainment guy. I love entertainment. I've seen every Oscar-nominated film since 1933. I'm a, I'm a TV addict, right? Like I, I, I wrote a book on a 400-page book on television called "Primetime Propaganda." Right? I'm very into this stuff, but that's not primarily what my job in life was to do. Jeremy started off in Hollywood. Clavin started off in Hollywood. Knowles started off off Broadway. Off, off, off Broadway. But <laughs> off it's, Brooklyn, but, actually. It was in right. Staten Island. At The local about. repertory theater in Cleveland, Ohio. But, <laughs> and, but. The, but the bottom line for me is this: If you are into politics, if you care about our values, you have to go where the eyeballs are. Yeah. You have to go into every institution. You have to go into corporate America. We got to build alternative institutions, yep. right? We can't let Amazon Web Services dominate, you know, ownership of the means of distribution. We have right. to go. We have to build an alternative source of media. That's why Daily Wire exists. Is why our podcasts exist. We have to get into the universities, and we have to provide alternatives. We have to provide, print- but. Most of all, the easiest way for people to engage and the thing people engage with most, this is what people forget, the single thing that people engage with most in this country above politics, above church, above anything is entertainment. If you just look at their clocks, people spend hours and hours and hours a day engaging with the kind of content that we are the first to provide on the right. And we're really proud of that. I think
7: you should be proud of that too because you're part of the project. So the film is coming up in seven minutes and 50 seconds. It's that precise. They just told me in my ear. In seven minutes and 46 seconds, (laughs) we're definitely going to show you the first film that we're we're releasing, Run, Hide, Fight. But first, I want to talk about our friends over at Bravo Company Manufacturing. True story, we moved uh, eight weeks ago, maybe, to uh, a red state after, for me, a little over 20 years in the People's Republic of California. And listen, I love California. I think it's a beautiful state, beautiful weather, and it used to be the center of the world. That's why we lived there. It was the center of the cultural world. It isn't any longer. Uh, So I'm happy to be, I was happy to be there, and now I'm happy to be out. One of the first things that I did, though, when I got out was started thinking about how do I acquire the firearms that I was not allowed to own when I was in California? I think you have a responsibility to own firearms as a, as a man in this country because we have the right, and the right is only protected by the expression of that right. I think you therefore also have a responsibility to own a rifle. When the founders wrote the Constitution, the first thing they did was make sacred the rights of the individual to share their ideas without limitation by their government or by Twitter. The second thing they did was secure the right of the individuals to protect that speech and their lives with force if needed. Owning a rifle is a heavy responsibility. Building rifles is no different. Bravo Company Manufacturing, or BCM for short, they build a professional grade product that's built to combat standards. That's because BCM believes that the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless of whether or not you're a private citizen or a professional. The people at BCM assume that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, a law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. I take it very seriously, and I can tell you that, that since moving to, to Tennessee, I've purchased some rifles from Bravo Company Manufacturing. These things are absolutely fantastic. The mid-16 that they produce is as capable a weapon as made by any manufacturer out there. The people at BCM feel that it's their moral responsibility to Americans to provide tools that will not fail the end user when it's not just a paper target, but someone coming to do you harm. BCM also works with leading instructors of marksmanship from top levels of America's Special Operations Forces, from Marine Corps Force Reconnaissance to U.S. Army Special Operations Forces, connecting them with other Americans. These top instructors teach the skills necessary to defend yourself, to defend your family, and to defend other people. That's what the Second Amendment is all about. It's not about hunting, Second Amendment. I mean, the idea that you couldn't use a gun to get food wasn't even a concept uh, at the time of the founding. That's not what the Second Amendment is about. It's about your right to protect yourself, to protect your loved ones, to protect your neighbor, and to protect your rights. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com where you can discover more about their products, see some amazing videos, uh, some special offers, some upcoming events. That's bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, well, go watch those videos. You can find out even more about them and the awesome people who create their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. There's no slash bin. There's also no slash Jeremy, and <laughs> should go and get it. So guys, we're just four minutes and 40 seconds away from uh, the Daily Wire premiere of Run, Hide, Fight. I don't say the world premiere, because it actually premiered in far more prestigious uh, <laughs> locales than no. this at the Venice Film Festival. where it was A lot more party. people are going to see it tonight. A lot more people are going to see it tonight. Uh, and almost none of them speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like one. Yeah, one. Alleg. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. uh, what I want people to be prepared for going into this film and we've, we've talked about it before, but I want to speak a little bit more explicitly about it. This film is meant to challenge uh, your notions yep. of what it means to be conservative entertainment. You know, This isn't a movie that you're supposed to watch. It's a movie that we think you will want to watch. It's going to challenge maybe some of your sensibilities about um, what content should be. The movie is, it's not rated R because that's an MPAA standard, uh, but it's TVMA for mature audiences. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching this with, as Ben said, if you're watching this with your children, this is not the film for them. Please change that plan. Send them out of the room. This is a film for young adults and adults that deals with incredibly difficult subject matter and puts very real people into very difficult situations. And we get to see the kind of decisions that they make in it. That said, it does contain our values. Uh, and we're very proud to present uh, the movie to you. We we wanted to push the envelope in a way to sort of define the new terms of what we're trying to do. Listen, every film we that we produce will not be TVMA. Every television series that we go on to produce, we have a TV series in in development right now. We have feature films in development right now. Some of them will be rated much much lighter than this. Some of them will appeal uh, to a younger, or more family-friendly audience. But we wanted to come right out of the gate and say, this is kind of the outer boundary of what we think uh, can be competitive in the world of entertainment. Because again, we want to make things that people want to watch. We want to compete for people's time and money when they think about what kind of entertainment they want to engage with. So please bear that in mind as you, as you watch the film. Uh, that's in no way an apology. Uh, we're proud of the film, and we were very deliberate in choosing this to be uh, the first film that we were going to release. And, and we took all of this into consideration when, when making our determination. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's probably not uh, uh, what you might think of as like a Christian film. But it's more like if you were to actually make a film about the Bible, which is about real people <laughs> who went through real challenging and difficult situations uh, with varying degrees uh, of success.
3: And this, we could not be prouder, again, of, of the film. And again, we couldn't be prouder of our audience who's come with us on this That's journey. Right. I mean, we started this company literally in a pool house. Uh, and, uh, and now this company has over 100 employees and is producing mainstream entertainment, expensive mainstream entertainment, for you to enjoy and for you to spread to your friends. We, we'd love your help if you've not already become a member, if you're already a member. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. And again, we're we we are ecstatic to bring this to you. It's the culmination of a journey for a lot of us, And just the beginning of another journey that I think is going to allow us to really challenge moving forward into a new and difficult era. We're going to have to challenge on every front. I keep saying that over and over, but it's true. There is a wall, and we have to start beating against that wall with any hammer we can find. And this is a big hammer, and we are just beginning to beat away at the wall that the left has built for us to keep us in.
7: It's also essentially a tech play, because what we're trying to build is an SVOD platform, a streaming video on demand platform like HBO Max, like Hulu, like Netflix, Netflix, like Disney+. Plus. We have a long way to go to catch up with those guys in terms of uh, the quantity and quality of their entertainment. Uh, the, oh, we're bringing
3: on all sorts of new entertainment, right? we got right. Candace's show coming, and that's we're going right. to be coming producing new st- new content with me, and all, all sorts of brand new stuff. So right. it's an
7: exciting time. It is. So head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Thank you for joining us here this evening for the Daily Wire premiere of Run, Hide, Fight, the first feature film that we're offering, directed by Kyle Rankin. It's, you're, you're absolutely going to love it. Uh, it's a legitimate piece of art. We couldn't be prouder to be here. Couldn't be prouder to have you with us on this journey. So sit back, relax, enjoy the film. We'll be back right after uh, to discuss the movie with you. We we avoided spoilers. Oh my God! <laughs> in you're movie, serious, ready. You're serious about your film watching. In a movie this. theater, that would
2: cost you four hundred dollars. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Here we go.
6: This is high school. Nothing that happens here matters in the real world. Get down
0: on the ground! Very disturbing news out of Vernon Central High School. Zoe,
7: take a shot.
8: Is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel? Do you want more people to die?
6: Isn't it ironic that after all your hard work, people aren't gonna remember you? No. They're gonna remember me.
7: Well, welcome back to the Daily Wire backstage and the Daily Wire premiere of Run, Hide, Fight, the first feature film that we're releasing as part of our new entertainment initiative. We are joined now by uh, the film's producer, Dallas Sonier, and the film's writer and director, Kyle Rankin. Guys, congratulations on an awesome film and our condolences on having to release it with us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's a terrific film. We had over 70,000 people watching uh, the film live, probably got up to 100,000 by the time uh, uh, it hit its peak. And so far, all the comments just overwhelmingly supportive. I think, you know, uh, one thing that happens on our side of the political conversation is if anyone talks to us at all, we're fairly happy. Uh, <laughs> so we, we appreciate you guys sharing your talents and sharing your, uh, your film with us. Talk to us a little bit about how the picture came to be.
5: Yeah. Um, Kyle wrote a script and uh, it was really well received by a lot of people in Hollywood, including a, a bunch of big studios. Yeah. And the way it's been told to me by his agent was, uh, one of them was, was about to make a big offer to, to put the movie into, into development and production. Parkland happened. Mm-hmm. They backed away like Homer Simpson into the bush. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and that's when I get the phone call, as when I always get the phone call. Uh, when the script is great, the agent is confident, but they need someone crazy enough to make it. And so that's when that's that's when I read the script and and I read it and I I just loved it. It had such a connection to some of the personal tragedies in my own life. And uh I basically put my whole career and my company and my um reputation as a producer. I heard you
7: mortgage your house.
5: <laughs> I, I have mortgaged my house for movies before. <laughs> uh a, a, but but in this case, I literally raised money for the movie to do it as independently as humanly possible because I knew we couldn't have any input from Hollywood, from big Hollywood mainstream producers. And um, I was able to sort of create a sandbox for Kyle to give him as much creative control as humanly possible. And I think that's why the movie is so good. It's a really daring
7: piece of subject matter. I mean, obviously, uh, so daring that it it didn't find a home in hollywood despite the quality of the script and what went on to be the quality of your of your directing what what gave you the sort of confidence to tackle something like this as a writer
8: uh, probably my wife uh, reminding me you know you keep she would say to me that I, I kept bringing it up and talking about different scenes and this one percolated maybe for for 5 or 6 years before and i was a bit scared of it you yeah. know I, I i was worried about it being taboo or being seen as you know um, disrespectful to victims of shootings and that kind of thing and different i would see different movies released that tended to follow the shooters and you know their horrible uh, family lives and uh, those were received well and i didn't really understand that i was kind of like why are we following the perpetrators i didn't that didn't uh, jive with me so yeah it just felt right and she gave me the confidence to you know to dive in um
7: it is one of the beautiful things about the film is it's not sympathetic to the shooters. Yeah. One of the things that drew Ben and I to the movie when we first watched it, and we're trying to decide, does it make sense for our platform, is that the Daily Wire was one of the very first uh, publications in the country to announce that we wouldn't uh, publish the names of school shooters or, yeah. or mass shooters generally, yeah. because so many of them are after notoriety. You know, they, and in some ways, we feed that as a- Which is know, one of the themes of the
3: film. I mean, Obviously, a huge sure. theme in the film is is how social media tends to generate this kind of horrific behavior and reward this kind of horrific behavior uh how much were you thinking about that when you wrote and directed the film um a bit you know i wish i could take credit for um you
8: don't know and you i don't know if you feel this too drew but you don't know where your ideas come from sometimes uh you know i remember waking up at like two or three in the morning and just scrolling on the bedside table uh they're not going to remember you they're going to remember me <laughs> and then falling back you know that i don't know where the heck it came from but i i was sure uh, glad that it came and uh, when I'm writing something you know you, you very much just get you're thinking about it all the time and it's always it's a program running you know in the background kind of thing. Um, so I guess they're gifts and I'm just thankful that some of those lines come. and
7: um, Drew gets all of his ideas from me. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a little different. It's
2: true. I creep into his bed, his bed and take the notes <laughs> off of
7: <laughs> I could have sworn I <laughs> scrolled something. <I'm> a good <laughs>
2: Did, did you? I, I have run into myself the absolute lockdown on the idea of school shootings, yeah. which is just a kind of groupthink in Hollywood. They'll make a movie about the Holocaust, which was pretty bad. You know, yeah. that's a bad thing. And, and uh, school shootings are a bad thing. But for some reason, school shootings were absolutely taboo. And they would tell you out of the gate, don't do it. Had you run into that before you wrote the script, or did you know?
8: No, I think in my ignorance, I didn't talk to enough people who said no. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, my wife encouraged me, and I, I I kept the idea very secret. I also I didn't want to present the I didn't never I knew I didn't want to pitch the idea because then someone can just dismiss it out of hand. I'm like I want a really great script that yeah. someone yeah. that gets someone turning pages. Um, my manager gave me a great piece piece of advice, and he's like, I know you're going to direct it, but write it for a director that you admire. So I kind of wrote it with Catherine Bigelow in mind. I just thought she'd be great, so it was cool to. Yeah, to any screenwriters out there, that's just a cool thing to, I'm like, I want Catherine just turning every page. I'm like, where is this going? Uh, and that was really fun. And I, I found that, yeah, I fell in love with it along the way,
3: too. So Dallas, the the casting of the movie, how, how did that go? Because there's yeah. a lot of people in this film that people have seen, there are a lot of people people haven't seen. And and some of the newcomers are just, they, they blow you away with the yeah. performances. I mean, the, the guy who plays the villain is unbelievable, and obviously Isabel's
5: unbelievable. Where, where did you come up with these folks? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it's all started with Thomas Jane, who has become a friend of mine. He was a big fan of the movies we've made, like Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99, Dragged Across Concrete, the Zoller movies. And so he really anchored the cast. And once I had him, I was able to propel some of the money conversations and, and things like that. He, he, he validated the cast in the movie to other cast members, especially younger people. Yeah. Um, we have the greatest casting director in the world. His name is David Guglielmo. Uh, don't steal him from me, uh, <laughs> guys. Uh, but he, he's terrific. And, and he set up auditions, brought Kyle in the room, just like a traditional casting session. But we had already had our eye on Isabel for a while. She had come in on other movies of ours, and we saw a real talent in her
4: oh,
7: yeah.
5: and um so we we were excited when Kyle responded uh so positively to her and she she quickly became uh Zoe what has Eli
7: done before this film
5: so Eli Brown who plays Tristan yeah. uh the villain uh he has been on a couple of sort of the the the, the younger uh you know younger teen shows um, he's about to uh, be on the new remake of Gossip Girl. Mm. But really, so many of these kids were extremely young. Their their credits were not very uh, deep in terms of their IMDb's and things like that. A lot of newcomers, things like that. But we just put them all together, and we uh, gave them some time to sort of get to know each other and become friends. And they would hang out in the hotel together every night and stuff like that. So there's a real camaraderie, and they're still all best friends. They're, they're all texting and tweeting each other tonight. So they're, oh, really, they're really proud of this premiere and really can I, happy. Can
2: I ask, you, you've made a couple of pictures that I just have really enjoyed. Bone Tomahawk, you mentioned, and uh, uh, the Cell Block 99. Yeah. Really enjoyable film. But those are films you have to, you must have known coming out of the block that you were going up against the Hollywood wall of political correctness. You, did you know that? Yeah. When you, or, or were you, you, you were saying uh, that you were surprised you actually kept it to yourself, but you must have known that you were going up against the wall. Yeah,
5: I don't keep it to myself. I, I, that's, that's one of my strengths and greatest weaknesses. Uh, I, um, uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s on the Jerry Bruckheimer movies, and, and 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 although I wasn't around, I was very inspired by Robert Evans, and you know, reading "Kid Stays in the Picture" and all yeah. those, and, and and those great movies that he or, oversaw. And so I stayed the same. The world went left, yeah. right. I stayed here. And so I'm simply making the movies that I grew up loving and continue to love as an audience member, but what what it has what it, there there cannot be a compromise, and so my goal is to set up the production and the financing in a way with foreign sales and a domestic deal and certain you know uh, formulas on what the marketing and the budget's going to be, so that I can transfer absolute total creative control over to the filmmaker. Uh-huh. That is, that is the way it was done, in my opinion, correctly in the past, mm. long ago in the past. Yeah. And the corporatization of Hollywood has really messed that up. So I think there's been some great stuff out of Hollywood uh, over the past several years. Uh, but really, to me, I seek his movie, not my movie, ever. And I think that's my, that's my flag in the sand. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah.
8: Yeah, our first uh, telephone call you said the magic words where you're like,
5: I have no notes. Let's just make your, Let's make your script. And that's like, oh, a line. Now, now I can't use it yeah, anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, that's effective. Yeah, you very... subtly
7: make your notes over time. <laughs> I got my eyes on you. So we're going to uh, speak to Elisha Krauss, who is talking to our DailyWire.com subscribers and taking their questions throughout the night. We want to be sure and answer some of their questions there, who made it possible for us to uh, release the film. If you're not a member, you could head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and become one right now. The more people subscribe, the more films we're going to make. We think that this is uh, this is the next frontier for the Daily Wire and definitely uh, a part of the political fight from our point of view. It's not what you guys got into it for, but from our point of view, it's a part of the political fight that we're waging that we need to bring some balance into the culture, uh, and that's what we hope to do. Do we have you, Alicia?
6: Yeah, I'm here, guys. Thanks so much. And I hope that everybody enjoyed the premiere as much as I did. Uh, first question, if I can toss it over to Dallas. Somebody wants to know if this film was meant to carry a conservative message from the start, or did the storyline and messaging just kind of happen naturally? And maybe Kyle could, you know, give feedback on that, too, since he's the guy that wrote the script.
5: Sure. Uh, I, I am an uh, a proud, openly conservative movie producer, and uh, I, I never intended to uh, be that vocal about it, but uh, s- such is life and, 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 I, and I'm enjoying the ride. Um, I, I never would make a movie for political purposes. I feel like uh, movies have been political for, for, for generations, but I feel like when things get overtly political or agenda pushing, um, I tend to believe that it hurts the artwork. So uh, again. Um, my goal is to keep everything level playing field. Focus on the movie itself. Make great entertainment. If the, the audience, the not propaganda. Yeah, the, there's no propaganda in the movie. There was never. It, our, our intention was to make a great movie, and that's what we did. Um, so, uh, so if if the if if the marketplace or the audience determines that the movie is more conservative in its values or matrix uh, or DNA. Then so be it. That's that's a that's a that's that's fine with me. But it's not a a goal of mine to make conservative movies per se. Somebody
7: yeah. has to be a conservative filmmaker.
5: I am who I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the I think the themes
8: uh, in the movie are big human themes. There, yep. and to my mind, they're above politics, or as you guys might say, they're they are upstream maybe of politics. But I wanted to write something about bravery and selflessness and self reliance and putting others uh, ahead of yourself. Something that I love about the movie uh, is there, it's not just Isabel's Zoe. If you watch the movie and just look at all the bits of bravery, you know, there is yeah. the, the, the woman in the cafeteria. The, the
7: lunch lady is actually one of my three favorite moments in the film. Yeah, mine too. It's such okay. a selfless moment and she, and she yeah. delivers it very well.
8: Yeah, and I love uh, her friend outside when she's like, oh, a lot of them don't know. She's like, okay. It's like, what? Yeah, you know, you're just going to come with me on this yeah. uh, potentially uh, deadly mission. I love that. I love like Mr. Rogers would say, you know, look for the helpers. And I think, I think a lot, I believe in the human spirit and a lot of people are out there ready to be heroic if given the opportunity. So I wanted to to highlight, um, to highlight that. I mean, personally, I don't know, I'm, I'd love to start a third political party called the Contrarians. I just,
2: You'd be in I the just, right place. We can't half. agree. Uh,
8: can't agree on a time to meet, though. So.
2: <laughs> but you know, but you know, this is one of the things I actually loved about the film. I I have no idea how you vote. I don't want to know. I don't care. Yep. Uh, I really don't care. I yeah. mean, I do, but I just don't want. Uh, I don't want voices silenced. I don't want characters cut out. I want all the people who are in this country and in this world to be in the on the screen. And that's yeah. what you did. You gave us all the people, and that's all I think real conservatives are looking for.
8: I took a great uh, screenwriting course, you know, twenty <laughs> years ago, and the the first uh, the instructor said, you know, write three pages about a real pet peeve of yours, something you really feel strongly about, you you really hate, and you wish people would stop doing. And I think you know mine was on you know, three pages on littering, and we all showed up ready to turn it in, and the instructor was like, okay, uh, I don't even want to see them, but now write three pages uh, uh, about the other side. Uh, you're now pro whatever you just wrote. And it's like what? And you know, the instructor was trying to teach us to. I do think it do, it shouldn't matter, and I'm, I will never be one of those Hollywood people that that talks uh, my personal politics because I would like to be you know above and between them and and see all sides. Because then it, that exercise taught me that when when I had people. You should be able to steel ban all sides as a writer, so that you can have people arguing and going in different, shooting off in different directions, the way people do. And I am far more interested in the, the gray of life, not just the. Um, everyone is so scared of the gray, and I think we need to lean into that. And
7: personally, Alicia.
6: All right. The title font of the film, according to another Daily Wire member, they said was very Red Dawn, which of course is another iconic movie about high schoolers versus bad guys. Was that intentional?
8: Oh, I don't know about the title font, but I love John Milius. I love Red Dawn. I remember watching uh, with my brothers, you know, the, those paratroopers coming down uh, in the from, in the back of the history class. I mean, would, would John Milius even be working today? He's, he's amazing and he should he should be, but uh, the
3: atmosphere is well. I mean, they remade Red Dawn, and then they wouldn't even make it the Chinese, right? Yeah. They made it the North Koreans just to please the Chinese movie market. That's right. So they the, yeah, shot they
7: the film with the Chinese. With the Chinese, and then yep. they
3: they went back and they revised all the footage. Yeah, thought, what what if
7: a country whose entire adult population uh, is starving somehow invaded the <laughs> life? <of state> <laughs> uh, I do think, though, that you know, first of all, I love the internet because only on the internet does someone connect the font choices.
1: From yes, this film to another film. <laughs> really.
7: And the, what I love about it, too, is that it, it's probably true on some unconscious level yeah. where we've all been informed by the art that we've consumed over time. And there is a connection between this film and, and Red Dawn. True. Maybe on some you know, some far off level union. Jordan, Jordan, yeah. <laughs> <in the, laughs> Jordan Peterson would definitely do more this. Alicia.
6: All right. Can you guys name a couple of your favorite movies that have inspired you as filmmakers?
8: Uh, sh- sure um knight of the hunter um i love i tend to really cleave toward things in the seventies, and I think because this, the studios gave the filmmakers the keys and said eh, maybe you guys know better and then you know uh in the late seventies they <laughs> ripped them out of their their hands uh but there's so you know five easy pieces um I do think when you're i don't watch a lot of modern things, I tend to go back to the seminal uh things and before I did shot this movie, and I gave a list to Isabel and to Ollie, uh, who plays uh, Lewis, um, you know, things on there like Deliverance and uh, Dog Day Afternoon, mm. a lot of things that these young actors had not seen, yeah. and it was so fun, because Isabel. I remember we were in the ravine, and uh, when she was uh, the final scene with, uh, uh, with Tristan. With Eli, and she's like, oh, "I watch Deliverance this morning." And I think we were like in this, <laughs> we we're in this like freezing ravine, and I was like, "Yeah, it's like it's awesome, you know,
7: it's so fun." Uh, One of the most enjoyable moments of 2020 for me, uh, and I know it was a terrible year for almost everyone, but it's like maybe the best year of my life, you know. I business did well, my marriage did well, I adopted a kid, I, was, I had a great time in 2020. Uh, other than just you know, all the chaos, the end of the world. Other the than that. <laughs> Uh, Nothing else matters. Exactly. It was good for you. It was fine. You know that's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the great moments was that our friend John Voight was had stopped by our office, and uh, sometimes John would just like stop by and bring you a treat, like a nice cheesecake or something. Uh, hey lad, I brought you a cheesecake. Anyway, you know, hey John Voight, thank you uh, for the cheesecake. Anyway, we, and we got to visiting about deliverance yeah. a little bit, <laughs> and John started pacing out, moving furniture around the break room at our office in LA, and explaining to me how they staged sundry shots in the film to let the camera just be so voyeuristic, to let the camera just sit here and all the action plays out in front of the camera with no movement. Uh, and he re, he reenacted three scenes from Deliverance in which he played all of the roles. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and I just sat awesome. in the break room and thought, holy crap, what an um, unbelievable life we get to
5: live. In. <laughs> <laughs> he played the Ned Beatty role? Yeah, he played all of the <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous.
2: You know, I'm I'm interested in the the films that you reference are all Mm. 70s films, which Mm -hmm. was this amazingly creative. I mean, you go back, you probably don't agree with this, but I go back and I look at Five Easy Pieces, which I loved at the time, and I think, like, this is another planet that they're making. They they would never make that movie today. What about the films before that? Because I I happen to love movies just like this, small, tight thrillers that work. I mean, but the ones that I go back to... Are films like The Killers with Burt Lancaster and oh, yeah. Sterling Hayden films? Yeah. I can't remember the, the name of the film where he robs the racetrack. I, I don't remember it, but it's just a great, great movie. Yeah. A, a Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah. 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 What the heck is that? Is the name it called The Heist? That was one of his. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's not. Something like that. But, yeah. but anyway, uh, do you go back to those or that before you just think like that's another. Yeah, I mean, era. my
8: wife and I, we were watching North by Northwest because yeah, it just came out on a really yeah. a new Blu ray just last night, you know? Yeah. So we, yeah. And it, if you named some of your favorites, they'd probably be mine, too. I'm yeah. not great at always having a list in my head, but, but. how about you, Dallas? What you?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've done a major deep dive over this year into the late 60s, early 70s, because it's been so inspiring to me yeah. and sort of building my company and brand and things like that. And there's a fascinating criterion collection called America Lost and Found the BBS Story. And BBS stands for three producers who made Easy Rider... Five Easy Pieces, Last Picture Show, and and so on. And they worked with Jack Nicholson. And so I highly recommend this. The the movie that's inspired me the most, so my favorite filmmaker of all time is Michael Cimino. Just the excess of his filmmaking, but also his storytelling and writing and things like that. Uh, He's known obviously for Deer Hunter and Heaven's Gate and things like that. But but his masterpiece is actually a very unknown film uh, starring sort of a pre-surgery Mickey Rourke uh, called Year of the Dragon, oh, yeah. which is co-written by Oliver Stone. Oh, yeah. And just do yourself a favor. There's your there's your homework. That yeah. movie is a master. I love it. Okay, I,
2: don't, I actually yeah. don't know that film. 1984, 85. Yeah, okay. There's a I, mean, Chinese, I know of it, Chinese but I've never
5: seen it. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Yep. Alicia.
6: All right, I just have to ask a question. It's a girl from southeastern Oklahoma. Right, boy, are, are you ears, a paying from... subscriber? <laughs> um, yes, I am, thanks. And so is my mom. It's um, <laughs> a girl from, from southeastern Oklahoma. My ears perked up a couple of times. When you mentioned a place where I have been a time or two, Broken Bow. Yeah. I mean, how the heck did you know about Broken Bow?
8: <laughs> uh, that I, um, We were searching for a state, and I, I really just wanted to be right in the center of the country. I wanted, us all, I wanted the culpability to kind of be on everyone's shoulders, because uh, it it's an American problem. So I thought, let's go right into the center of the country. And then my family, I'm from Maine originally, we have a, a camp uh, in Maine. And I don't even know if you would say camp uh, uh, for just like a cabin on a lake, but I just, I picked Broken Bow. Just I just pointed at it
5: uh, when I was writing, found it on a map. So. <laughs> Yeah, we vacation. Well, we vacation there every year. <laughs>
6: <laughs> lots, of, lots of people from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, oh, yes. do Despite the Red River rivalry, we will take your money. Yes. So, next question <laughs> comes. We also love our members' money, and we'll get back to their questions right now. Have there been any people that are criticizing this film as exploitative? You guys kind of touched on that a little bit in the top, but a Daily Wire member wants to know.
7: Mm-hmm. I, in, in the press that I've seen so far, I, I thought that that would be the number one criticism of the film. I actually haven't run across a lot of, a lot of accusations of exploitation of you.
5: I would say there's a, a beautiful uh, there's a beautiful effect of us releasing this movie with The Daily Wire in that I think it found the audience it was always intended to find in many ways. Audience that wouldn't be offended by it, that could handle it, that didn't need a safe space to watch it. Mm. And while I think we hope that more people will come to the movie and be open to it and things like that, the voices on the extreme left have not been open to the movie. In fact, they've, they've been, um, almost resistant to it, uh, in it reviewing when they review it. I I don't want to ever single out an individual review because I don't like it when, when, when filmmakers do that, but I saw a systemic, uh, sort of system in the reviews where it felt very much like a concerted effort to sort of review the subject matter re- and, and perceived mm-hmm. politics rather than the actual yeah. movie. I've made 35 movies. I, I know I've made some great stuff, and I've made some doozies. And this is a great movie and, uh, to, get, to get the you know, critical reaction.
7: I'll say, uh, from, from the point of view of the political space that we occupy, uh, if it ever seems like there's a conspiracy on the left to create a unified talking point, uh, there isn't. Because there doesn't have to be. Because they've done such a great job of populating every single piece of the, every single institution that makes up the culture with people who think exactly the same. You know, like in, in the early Obama years, you'd have these listservs, and every now and then you'd find out, oh, there's some listserv, and every journalist in Hollywood is or in in New York is on them, and they all conspire around. They don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> right. They just wake up, say exactly what you think, and every other journalist will say exactly.
5: <laughs> the same. Well, then that's worse because then they're all thinking the same way. Oh yeah. This yeah.
8: is the this is the I'm very proud of myself because this is the first time I'm reading nothing. I'm just reading no. Rev- I haven't read a single review. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying not to read any comments. Uh, we premiered in Venice, and the audience really loved it. And it was a beautiful night, and you know we're having champagne on the Lido, and, and it was a dream come true. And then, oh, I heard some reviews are starting to drop, and I just felt an arm on my shoulder. Like, Don't read any of them. <laughs> okay, and, and but, you know, and you can you know on Google it'll say whatever we have a fourteen percent rotten and I Rotten Tomatoes thing, and I'm like that's just patently false. I mean, they, this young cast is so incredible. Oh yeah, uh, this is incorrect.
3: So. Again, that, that's one of those things on Rotten Tomatoes where you, you can really see this massive gap, particularly with films that are perceived as political, between what the critics say and then what yeah. the audience says. Yeah. Uh, and, and you see this routinely. Yeah. I mean, you'll see it on everything from The Last Jedi, where the audience really didn't like it, but the critics absolutely loved it, uh, and called fans toxic because the fans didn't particularly like it, right. uh, to Wonder Woman 1984, just the last couple of weeks, where... People were like, "This is not very good," but the Chris like, "Yeah, but it's super important." And so we're going to pretend that this movie is actually awesome, <laughs> right, even though it's not good. The first Wonder Woman, is a good movie. The this, this, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, is not a particularly good movie. Um, but it, it feels the same way with regard to to this film because the film is just it, it is a it is a good film. And as far as the the kind of accusation that it's exploitative, listen, everybody everybody at the Daily Wire is super sensitive to the idea that uh, anything would be done to glorify school shooters. Again, one of the yeah. things that we were we were one, I was very personally, extremely early and hard on the idea that we were not going to print their names yep. in the Daily Wire. We we're not going to give them any sort of attention in the Daily Wire because that's precisely what they're looking for. And one of the things that drew me to the film was that the film was making exactly that point in many ways, which yep. is the more attention these people are looking for attention, the more attention you give them, the, the more of these you're going to see. And so we need to actually deprive them of attention. We need to treat them for the villains they are. Yep. It can't be all about you know their, their tough childhoods, as you were suggesting, or the, the sort of crippling circumstances they went through. Look how tough life is for them. But the the, film the, the actually, focus in this film is really on the victims. It yeah. really, really is on the victims. The, fi-
7: yeah. the film also talks about uh, the people who per- perpetrate these events in a more honest way. I mean, it's funny because it's fundamentally a piece of entertainment, right? It's a yeah. piece of fiction. It's not uh, a documentary. It's not a documentary. Yeah. And yet it, it has a more honest take on on the people who per- perpetrate these crimes than uh, most even news articles or or documentaries that you see. I mean, you very, very rarely hear about the the prevalence of people who hear voices. Uh, you'll find if you if you go around looking on the internet, you will find these stories. And it, it's in so many of these mass shootings that people claim to hear voices that it's always buried down on like yes. paragraph thirty uh, of the story. Because I think the, the media doesn't know what to do with that information. You know, we have a very secular media. Uh, we have a very uh, we have a very sort of cynical media, and they they don't know how to how to touch things that they don't fully understand, uh, the the desire for notoriety, uh, another huge component of it. Um, also, the sort of cult-like draw of Tristan as yeah. a character for yeah, these yeah. weaker-minded yeah. people around him, which all the way back to Columbine yes. was such a, you know, the untold story of Columbine, I think, is uh, in some ways the power of, of the one shooter to really draw in the other into his plans. Yeah. Yeah. So in that way, you really took kind of an unflinching look at at. The evil that you are saying.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and they, yeah,
2: it is, it is funny. You know, I've always thought, thought about the fact that when people hear voices, the voices never say, you're a great guy. Go <laughs> out and be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. said, well, why is that?
7: <laughs> Alicia.
6: All right, what did each of you guys take away from the movie after your first viewing?
7: Mm. Well, in some ways, this is a question for the three of us. Right, because you, you guys, guys made, made it. So. Made <laughs> film, but I actually
6: think the more
7: interesting answers are going to come from the two of you. There's nothing so surreal as watching your own film.
8: Oh, um. <laughs> well, there was no first. I mean, I I, I was there with every edit. Uh, yeah, of know, course. Uh, going frame by frame. So there, I, where, I, I don't know when a first so
7: time... So you didn't have an editor do an editor's pass and then you came in and saw the rough assembly for the first time. You were there at every... At every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, I have an
8: like? awesome editor, Matthew Lorenz. He's great. We and yeah. I collaborated with him, just like with every uh, cast and crew member. Um, but yeah, we, we get I get into it, and we we both do. Um, How
7: was it? What was your experience watching it with an audience for the first
8: time? Yeah, Venice was amazing, and I did something in Venice. That would, uh, tonight, uh, it was also you know a bunch of your uh, your employees were watching it, and I just I tend to leave the room and just walk around because <laughs> yeah. I can't you know. Uh, I, I love the movie. I adore it, and I'll defend it until I, you know, the day I die. But uh, I don't. I don't always want to be in the room when it's. <laughs> I perfected it so that it can go have a life, and it is no longer mine. It's no longer Dallas's. It, it will go out, and unfortunately, like a child, be be judged and and run into people who are mean to it, and that'll really annoy me. Which is why I won't read anything. <laughs> uh, uh, I care for it deeply, uh, but now it is it is everybody's.
2: One one of the things I, I, I watch films there's always a part of my head that's picking scripts apart. And I watch uh, especially thrillers, which is a genre I've worked in a lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm always watching a movie rooting for the writer. I'm always thinking, like, hey, go ahead. Go. You, you're almost there. Just keep going. And that was one of the things that I took away from it. It, it works, you know? And like, yeah. it, it's, it's not a, bi- a small thing. films don't work so many films don't work and this film works and i i was just really happy as you got through it (laughs) i know it's it's i know this is not what most people are taking away from a movie but i can't help it i watched the movie and i just think like i can see so many ways you can go wrong here and yet you're on that line and you're keeping to that line and it's a a wonderful thing to see it it is just technically
3: yeah thank you So, so for me, there there are a couple things that, that pop out at me. So one is uh, Isabel Mays' performance is just terrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just yeah. first rate. And I think that for the vast majority of people who watch it, because the camera is so in love with her, I mean, she's, she's just amazing on, on screen, uh, that, that, is the, that that will be sort of the, the surface takeaway. Yeah. But then the second time, actually, is kind of when I get more mm-hmm. of the message. Because the first time, you're just watching to see the plot and you're drawn into it. Now the second time, where we were kind of popping in and out tonight, like watching various scenes, Uh, There's one scene that popped out of me, and that's the scene where um, Tristan is asking uh, one of the girls uh, who's religious about free will. And she drops a little sermon about free will. And I thought, that's something you will never see in any other (laughs) Like, really, you're not going to see it. I mean, that's that's the the point that she makes about free will, where she says that bad people are allowed to be bad people so that they can be judged. And I thought, that is... As good a 30-second explanation <laughs> of free will from a religious perspective yeah. as I can imagine. And it also is a theme running throughout the film, which is you're going to be judged for your own behavior and that you, you're going to need to be held accountable for, for that behavior. So I, I thought that that was, it, it's a beautiful and and I think will be an underappreciated scene because it's yeah. kind of off the beaten track of the yeah. film, right? It's not the, the conflict between the main characters, but it really is wonderful.
7: The film does have a sense of yeah. justice. The, the character Kip... Uh, It's it's a wonderful thing you did as a filmmaker, where you let him be redeemed, but he still has to die. Right? He he did do the thing, and (laughs) you wouldn't be satisfied (laughs) to watch him, to watch him come through this. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's only one example. My my big takeaway when I when I watch any film, uh, I I like paternal relationships portrayed well in film. My my favorite, it's not a film, obviously, it's a miniseries, but Lonesome Dove is my favorite. Thing that's ever been you know shot, Uh, and it's because it's the relationship between two men. And I just I love those kinds of relationships. My favorite moment in this film uh, is the scene in the in the chemistry lab when Isabel is being just beat to a pulp, and her father saves her. And I love it. I love it. Everything about the scene. I love that she's uh, inventive with uh, with the gas. You know that she's that she's still being inventive about how to protect herself. I love that. I actually thought. When, when they're just about to obviously be in a physical confrontation, I thought this movie's about to lose me, because they're about to give me the obligatory scene in which an eighty-five pound girl takes on a <laughs> six-foot-two, two-hundred-pound man <laughs> right. and somehow beats him. And no, no I mean she gets pummeled uh, because you know because in boxing I mean, you're not no allowed to happen, fight yeah. someone yeah. five pounds heavier <laughs> yeah. because that's how the world works. And then for her father to be there in that moment, it, almost as a like an angel. I mean, he, he's. He's beyond her experience at that moment. She doesn't know that yes. he exists. Oh, I love. And yeah. then he's there to save her. It's just the most beautiful moment to me.
8: Yeah, and I, you have three children, and I have three children. I think any parent would. Yeah, would I take that shot? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I love that scene as well, and Ben, um, the scene that you mentioned. I, I, I'm, I attend this men's spiritual men's group in Los Angeles. And I'm like the youngest member by like 30 years. It's really interesting. Uh, and that, that got brought up, you know, basically why does God allow uh, bad things to happen to good people got brought up one night. And then one of the guys was like free will. And I, I didn't fully understand the conversation to be honest. I, uh, my wife is religious. I am, uh, I'm not practicing any religion. I came home. I said, what does this mean? <laughs> Can you please explain the world to me, honey? And she was like, Oh, and she's like, I think, yeah, she basically just dropped that line on me, and she's like, "God allows uh, the wicked to do their wickedness, like be ju- judged." And I just like that's going in verbatim, and I, <laughs> I almost fell over. <laughs> um, but I do. It annoys me that even though, you know, I I was raised as a Catholic. Uh, my dad uh, didn't attend. You know, my mom would kind of drag us every Sunday, and I'd I'd be like, "I want to be whatever dad is because he gets to mow the lawn and stay home. I want to do that." <laughs> uh, uh, but it annoys me that Hollywood is they have forgotten that this is a religious country completely there. I mean, if you put religion in a script, I have seen that uh, Drew when you were mentioning like, oh, that's taboo. But I mean, why? Why is uh, even though I'm non-practicing, I'm starting to kind of revisit the Bible and be like, uh, there's a ton of wisdom in here and some <laughs> amazing uh, ideas and quotes and things that now are inspiring me that I'm kind of approaching it on my own. So that is a lesson that Hollywood could learn to kind of Revisit some of that stuff
7: and and fatherhood. You know, back to the other scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, the generation in which I grew up. Every single father who's been represented in my lifetime is just a doddering boob yes. who's being bailed out by his wife or his children, who are much smarter <laughs> and much more capable yes. than him. And I feel like Thomas Jane gives a great performance in this uh, as a father who's you know probably not been physically present for a lot of Isabel's life. Uh, and probably hasn't been emotionally present either, and yet this tragedy has almost given him the opportunity to to be probably the father he always should be. You know, and out of that, yeah, uh, out of that pain, he's emerged as something more complete. That's a really beautiful.
2: Yeah. The, beautiful did thing. you these actors, guys like Thomas Jane, Treat Williams? I treat Williams. I see him Blue Blood, so I assume he's a yeah. conservative. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Thomas oh. Jane.
7: I don't think Treat Williams is a conservative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, don't slander Treat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered... Do, do, don't what, end people's careers. Yeah, well, well uh, that's, what <laughs> I
2: that's, that's what I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. Do they hesitate at all to be in a film with, that might tar... You know. What I love... Oh, sorry.
8: Yeah, I mean, go ahead. What I love about Thomas Jane is he's like... I think he said, let's ruffle a few tail feathers. <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's... He, he wants to do things that scare him. Uh, treat, uh, maybe, is, is similar. You know They... Uh-huh. Uh, I heard a lot of like, I'm, I'm scared about this script. I'd like to do it. And all of the young cast too, when, when we knew when we narrowed it down, I took them into another room and just gave them the speech of like, I don't know how this is going to be received. You're just starting your career. Go mm. home and, and really think about it. Um, uh, and they, they all, you know, some of them didn't need to leave the room for like, no, I, I, want, I don't care. I want to do it. Uh, mm. But that, I, I'm more worried for, uh, I can be canceled. I don't really care. But I am worried about these amazing guys that are, and gals that are just starting their
7: careers. So. yeah i I honestly think that while we, we know that the industry can blacklist people, we know that the industry can cancel people. these kids are too talented and and it's not their fault that they wound up on the Daily wire you know they <laughs> they yeah. uh, they gave their best effort to a film, yeah. and we happen to be the ones who uh, came along to to release it and you know maybe some of them I, I don't know the politics <clears throat> of any of them, maybe some of them share our politics. I'm certain a lot of them don't mm-hmm. uh, and you know. One of, the, one, of the things that, one of the things that Ben and I talked about when we first acquired the film was, you know, if any of these kids feel like they have to speak out against us in social media, we can't respond. Like, yeah. they, they didn't sign up for this. They're they're hugely talented. God bless them, and I hope they all have great careers. I, I think based on what they delivered in this film, they
5: will. They have been along since the beginning for the ride, right? Yep. They They came and made the movie against all odds with us, right? Mm-hmm. Fought every day on set, you know? Uh, they came with us uh, you know, into post-production and helped you know, do these amazing performances that got the movie into Venice Film Festival. Yeah. It came, we brought them to Venice. They saw the movie get absolutely slaughtered by the critics, mm. but absolutely applauded in the room. Mm. Uh, and they came along with us for the ride as we ended up doing a deal with Daily Wire and not a single one of them complained. In fact, mm. I don't think they're, they're, they're necessarily, um, you know, this is, this is not what they certainly signed up for. But also, they were so impressed by the way that we carried everything through together. Um, and so, ultimately, the movie above all, mm. and the movie is in great shape. The movie reached more people tonight than it ever would have any other way. And it will continue to reach more people. The trailer numbers were off the charts. So, this is a this this is a chance of a lifetime for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say this about Isabel May: you know, she is a uh, such a talented actress, but an even better human. Mm-hmm. Kindness and happiness. She's so such a happy person. Lives by this amazing strict moral code, but very private about it. And I just adore her. And I think. Whether you believe in divine intervention, luck, or fate, hers is to be a giant, giant, giant movie star. Yeah, she might not even want that, but it is—it 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 is her destiny. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that we could all be a part of it. You know, early on in her. Now, I, but, I really
3: think that people are going to look back in ten years and they'll be like, "All these names were in that film. Yeah, yeah. Like, really? There's yeah. so many talents performing. That's
2: the most moving yeah. thing that anybody said to me tonight. That the actors didn't balk. Because it, it, uh, even, unfor- uh, it's, un- it's unfortunate. It, being an artist, yeah. <laughs> as you know, takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It means you're, you're, you're betting your life. You're betting your life. You know, you, Most artists are intelligent enough to go to law school or to do something else. And they bet their life on what they do and what they love. And to have to also have the courage to stand up against small-mindedness and censoriousness and, and, and deliver what you have to deliver, the talent that you've been given by God... That's a beautiful thing, and if you found actors who are willing to do that, then you have laid the foundation for a genuine movement, I think.
7: Dallas, Kyle, thank you guys for your time with us. We're going to bring Matt and Michael back on to close out the night, and Alicia, if you'd tell everybody at home how they can continue to support this film and the future entertainment projects from The Daily Wire.
6: Absolutely. As the God King Jeremy Boring said earlier in the show, this is a film that we want everyone to watch and see and if you didn't watch it live tonight it's not too late. You know how sometimes pre-COVID you could go to the movie theater? Well now on the comfort of your couch you can be sure to become a Daily Wire subscriber and be sure to sign up over there. So if you missed tonight's live stream it's not too late because you'll be able to watch the film on demand at the Daily Wire website, mobile app or streaming apps like Apple and Roku TV. But only if you're a daily wire insider member or above so as jeremy stated earlier politics is downstream from culture and tonight was the daily wire's first step in taking back the culture and we believe that conservatives can be in this fight without making stereotypical or boring or christianese type content we can make stories that spark conversations that the left doesn't want to have and hollywood only wants to stand unchallenged on their moral high ground And they have owned entertainment for a very long time. But the Daily Wire is going to change that. They are ready to do more than comment. But if you want to see them take on this fight, then we need you to join us. In the news, Washington Post is nearing 3 million subscribers. The New York Times has 7 million. And in entertainment, Stars has 9.2 million subscribers. HBO Max has 13 million, and Netflix has 73 million subscribers. And of course, as we've seen, Facebook has a lot of power and over 255 million monthly active users just in the United States. So if you think about all of these companies and you think that they need a challenger, then we need your membership. If you believe in what we've done so far, we need you to step up and help us win. So become a member today at dailywire.com slash subscribe. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. And be sure to submit your questions tonight and your comments, not just on social media, but another great thing about a membership is that community in the chat box that you can get to know. It's so much fun, along with discussions from Daily Wire writers and talent like all of our podcast hosts and even little will me. So remember to type your questions into the live chat box to the right of tonight's stream. Be a part of that daily wire community. Make sure you become a member because we are going to try to answer as many questions as we can, because we couldn't do this and we would not be here at this exciting digital movie premiere tonight. If it wasn't for all of you.
7: Thank you, Alicia fellas. We're rejoined now by bearded James Bond and our waiter. And I'd love to hear from the two of you. What you thought about the film tonight.
1: Well, first of all, I think Michael and I have done a really good job tonight. We yeah, kind of we our, did, our performance, right. <laughs> some
4: of our best work all year. <laughs>
1: uh, I I thought you know, just to echo everything that's already been said, really. But I, I, first of all, it's escapism, so it's a it's a movie that you watch and it's just entertaining, and you feel like you're in it, and uh, you forget that you're watching a movie, which is what supposed, movies are supposed to be. But so often they're not these days. Uh, and I also like that you know the bad guy Tristan was uh, a really interesting character, but he's not the most interesting character because I've, it's so hard. It seems like to write uh, a good guy who's also compelling and who, you're, who you, you want to know more about. Um, and there's layers to the, to the good guy or good girl in this case. So that's what I like. It's, it's a movie with, where there's virtue and heroism. And the good guy wins, but the good guy's also interesting. Um, and it's just a compelling, compelling film. Yeah. You know what I like about it? is that the quality is good.
4: And I know this seems, <laughs> this seems like a basic thing, but how many of us, how many, we know a lot of people in Hollywood and we've seen a lot of movies that were made on a shoestring and, you know, they'll say, well, look, yeah, maybe the writing was bad and the shooting was bad and the acting was really bad and, the, you know, the editing was oh, god-awful, but, you know, the idea was really good, <laughs> right. so give us credit for it, right? You say, that's not how movies work. And and you watch this movie and it it works. It fits together. It's good very often, you know, uh, acting can suffer. I I thought the acting was really, you know, and it's all uh, like, I'm sure Drew, when you watch movies, you watch it, I imagine largely for the writing. I do. do. And I watch it primarily for the acting. It's the only thing I know anything about in movies. And the acting was excellent. Particularly the protagonist performance was just stellar. You know, it was just a really excellent performance. And I'm just so pleased after, uh, you know, there's a lot of schlock that's come out of uh, Hollywood and even out of people who want to do something in culture. And I just, I just felt this was really, really
1: uh, strong quality stuff. Yeah, to, to be honest, I, when I heard about the movie, I was terrified that it would suck. Uh, I, I, just, I was really worried that we'd have to pretend to like a movie that was bad, especially doing this right now. But uh, it's it really doesn't suck at all. It's a very good. movie. So, <laughs> you
7: heard it here, folks. It really does.
3: <laughs> cool. That wall. That's my
1: quote. That is for the his movie. highest. Yeah, i'm
7: yeah. coming from Wolf, it Doesn't get better exactly. than that yeah. from Wall.
3: <laughs> but it, it, it is it is certainly true that I have been at movie premieres where I have been friends. <laughs> Drew knows this. Where I have been friends with the people who made the movie, and then I have been roped into hmm. a a situation as a quasi-famous person where they ask for an endorsement on camera of the film. And I somehow... And they have, literally
7: just shove a camera in your face? They literally you, just... They put
3: me up against a step-and-repeat and then they put a camera in my face and like, so what did you think of the movie? And I'm friends with all the people who made it. I'm like, well, it really got its point across. <laughs> well, yeah, it had camera, no, really, so, yeah. Right, it, it really... It was like on a big screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
2: no Coward used to say he would go back and say, darling, good just isn't the word. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah it is an absolutely true statement that this that the unfortunate reality is the majority of things that you engage aren't great yeah. right and so to to be able to be a part of something that is great that that is both a, a quality film and a film of quality it has quality values uh, it has a quality story and it was delivered with quality is a, is a pretty special thing every every time that anyone pulls off a film by even if it's a terrible disaster in some ways, they just have my, uh, if nothing else, they have my sympathy. Because it's such a brutal thing to produce a film. Uh, I imagine that uh, when you see a woman with like five kids, and you know that after each and every one, she thought, I am never doing that again. (laughs) But in the end, uh, having a kid (laughs) is so much better than having a kid. It's the same with making a movie like Having made a movie is so much better than making a movie, yeah. which is just like fire and brimstone, desolation coming your way from every direction. Uh, that anybody who makes it through has a certain amount of my uh, respect. But to make it through and actually deliver something of quality, it's a it's an incredibly. Listen, they, we're
3: we're the ones who you know are in on the film. So what our audience thinks is actually what matters. And so once again, we're going to tell you that if you really enjoyed the content, yeah. if you want your friends to know about it, if you want your family to know about it, then we would really appreciate your membership and joining. The, the broader cause of getting us into the entertainment business so we can compete with the, with the much bigger players who will spend literally 100 times the budget of this film on oh, making yeah. a movie that is 100th the quality and also hates your values. You so know, if-
2: you know the, the, the other thing that you said that is, is actually important is if, if you're completely disappointed in this film, if you don't like it at all, if you uh, object to it, shut up. And, and this, is a funny, no, seriously, this is a funny thing. I believe in speaking your mind. But as you just said, when you're going up with your friends, you're, you do something kind, you know, and you, you don't lie. You don't say this is a great movie. But if, if you if you love this film and you had objections to it, that's great. We want to hear we want to talk about it. that's what movies are for. They're, they're disgusting. But if you just feel like, oh, my God, they cursed and I don't want to know it. Your opinion is not that important. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> Ch- no, seriously. I'm, I'm absolutely serious. This is a moment when the Daily Wire is doing something beautiful. It is doing something beautiful. We're not going to always be right. We're not going to always do the best. You know. Give us a break. We give us a break. We're, we're happy to hear your opinion if you like the film and you had objections and you want to talk about it. That's that's wonderful. But if you're just going to run us down, you know. Keep,
1: keep well, your the, good, opinion. The, good, the good news is that I was just looking at Twitter, It's the comments are. Like one hundred percent positive. That's great. Yeah. yeah, which is amazing because the comments are never one hundred percent positive about anything, especially <laughs> yeah. if you know. Uh, so it, it's, yeah. it's it's seemed wait. Like people it's, say
3: mean things on Twitter. It, <laughs> why was <laughs> I not informed yeah, of this? Not, not to you, of course. But yeah, no. I mean, I've only had positive experiences on Twitter ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
7: it's it is a wonderful true. place. It's it joyous. is true that we've taken quite a risk here. Not only a risk of money, because it's quite expensive to get involved in a project uh, like this by the economic standards of a company our size. Well we've taken a risk with our audience because we are challenging them. We're challenging them to uh, to to actually watch art, to watch entertainment from their side that they would readily accept from the other side. And this is one of the problems that that you yeah. often run yeah. into uh, when you when you speak to a largely ideological audience. they will they will not give us the same level of grace that they will give people who hate them. So, they'll all go watch Marvel movies that have themes that they don't like or that have language that they don't like, or that, uh, but they don't care because they don't feel invested ideologically. They'll watch something that we produce, they'll say, oh, it had bad language or it had, a, had nudity in it or it had violence in it. And, and they'll be, th- they will feel that somehow that was a betrayal of them when watching. Something even Game of Thrones of, the Watch Game of, and, of and, and what they, and they, don't, they don't know,
4: what they don't realize is, I was advocating for much, much more nudity. I mean, you remember, <laughs> yeah, knockdown dragouts. We, drag we, so we
7: had we had to cut
4: yeah. Michael's nude scene out of the yeah. film.
7: <laughs> That's why <laughs> out, out of this film
2: program, film we had to all. cut <laughs> it out of this program. <laughs> <laughs> it's like put on your tuxedo. But, but you know, <laughs>
3: we talk about challenging the audience. For for the, the truth is that we wouldn't have done this if we didn't trust that the audience That's right. was gonna yeah. understand what we're doing. Yeah. Because we, do, we know our audience better than anybody else. And mm-hmm. our audience knows what we're doing. Our audience is sophisticated, they are smart, yeah. they recognize exactly what the challenge is, and they recognize that if, if nobody moves into the space, then the space will remain unoccupied, but not for long because it's being occupied
7: by the left. That's right, and you can't say, oh, why have we lost the culture? and then penalize anyone who actually tries to get involved in the culture. Right. And I don't think our audience, no. n- the evidence
3: demonstrates very strongly over the last couple of weeks that thanks to your support, that is not the case, that you all understand what we're doing. And we really, uh, honestly, thank you to you guys. We really, really appreciate that. We appreciate your grace. We appreciate your adventurous spirit and coming with us on, on this journey. And uh, and we're counting on you to help us allow, allow us to do more of this, this sort of stuff.
7: Yeah. Uh, I made a piece of content one time and somebody ideological came up and said, I- I'm so disappointed that you had this bad language in your film. And I thought, you just don't know me at all. <laughs> How could you possibly be disappointed? <laughs> I'm a bad, bad man. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us for the Daily Wire premiere of Run, Hide, Fight. Uh, this is, we hope, the first uh, of, of many pieces of entertainment content that we're going to bring to you. Entertainment uh, that you watch for the sake of entertainment. Uh, not for the sake of the mission. We want to make content that you want to see, not content that you think you're supposed to see. And with your help, we're going to continue doing just that. We'll be back probably to talk about politics here in a few weeks, but thanks for going on this uh, adventure with us tonight to talk about something that's more important than politics, something from which all politics actually eventually stems, and that's culture. We'll see you guys next time.
0: Picture this. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. Carshield.com slash Shapiro. That's Carshield.com slash Shapiro.